Well, I've been on a series now for the last five weeks. I, I want to thank Pastor Jeff Jackson for preaching last Sunday. Uh, I heard his message. He did an awesome job. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, we've been in a series right now called Keep Moving, and this is a journey through the book of John. And I'm really excited about this series because it really personally has spoken to me a lot as I've been going through the process of putting these messages together for you all. But if you remember the inspiration for why I decided to do this, I really felt like that as we're entering 2023, man, we're seeing God move across this country, move across this world. And I just believe we're on the cusp, if not at the beginning of, of revival. And I really feel like that for this year, for all of us as believers, God is challenging us to stretch our faith. Can I get an amen? amen. He is definitely challenging us to stretch our faith. And if you remember, I spoke about uh, what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that we are to forget what lies behind and we're to look forward to what lies ahead. And in order to do that, we need to strain forward to what lies ahead. And what I call that was the stretch. And there's victory in that stretch because the stretch requires us to amp up our faith. And we amp up our faith by doing something different, right? Like, I don't want to be the same person last year or this year as I was last year. And I certainly don't want to be the same person in 2024 that I was in 2023. There is this constant challenge that God has placed on all of us in the church to stretch ourselves, to grow. That process of sanctification, that process of renewing our minds, that process of being transformed and being more and more like Jesus, the closer we get to being in heaven with him. We should be brighter and brighter as we move through our life. Amen? And so when I, I talked about that in the month of January... And here we are now in the month of March, and I cannot believe we are three weeks into March already. Easter is upon us. But I really felt led that what we needed to do is to encourage, or me to encourage you all, and encourage one another about what Jesus said in the book of John. There are certain things that he has said that I believe are very powerful. Of course, everything he says is powerful, but there's certain things that I believe, as I'm going through the book of John with you all, that if we would just receive into our hearts, that would help us as we stretch our faith to move forward to what lies ahead. And if you remember the very first week I talked about what? Jesus said, follow me, right? Every journey has a starting point and that's where we start. We need to start to follow Jesus. And then week two, I talked about how we must be born again. That's so important, right? If you've never received Jesus, then you have to be born again in order to start following him. And if you've already received Jesus, then we must act like we're born again, Amen. right? Not in a fake way. But in a genuine way, in spirit and in truth, we need, to, we need to be born again to the world, amen? We need to be that witness where people can clearly see that we belong to Jesus and that we want to love on them as God loves us. Then Kirby Anderson came in here, preached an amazing message and talked about how we need to make disciples. That is, believers, we still have responsibilities, right? It's not just about what happens in here. It's what happens outside these four walls. And more so, I would say, there's probably more opportunities for ministry and for the church to be the church outside of these four walls than in here. And he taught about how we need to make disciples. And then the, last, the week after that, I talked about do not be afraid. And Jesus looked at all of his disciples and said, it is I, do not be afraid. If we have Jesus in our life, there should be no reason for us to be afraid of anything. Death. What's going on in this world, doesn't matter what happens, sickness, illness, things that come our way, trials, tribulations, you name it. He's with us. If you're in Christ, he lives in you, he's with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, there is no reason for us to be afraid. And then Jeff did an awesome job talking about when Jesus said, abide in my word. Abide in my word. 
that if you know the word, which is the truth, then the truth will do what? Set you free. So today, what I want to talk about is something that I believe sometimes is one of those taboo things to talk about in church. That is eternal security. Eternal security. I am a believer in eternal security. And what I want today more than anything is for you all to walk out of here knowing, being secure in your salvation. Because Jesus said this, he said, you will never perish. You will never perish. So if you have your Bibles on you, I want to go ahead and start in Ephesians chapter 1 today. I want to start out with something that Paul said. And I love it because Paul really is, is somebody that when he says something, he always says something and, and basically reaffirms things that Jesus has already said. And so this passage here is going to affirm what Jesus said, you will never perish. So this is what he said. He said, in him you also, in him is Jesus, when you did what? Heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and did what? Believe in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You heard, you believed, you were sealed, and you're guaranteed. You heard, you believed, you were sealed, and now you're guaranteed. That should hopefully give you some joy today. Man, sometimes following Jesus can be hard, amen? I preach that out a lot. And there's sometimes we mess up. And in some cases, we even fall away. But guess what? You're sealed. And you're guaranteed if you're in Christ. And that should give a lot of hanky-waving hallelujahs right now. Because I've heard some crazy things out there. Well, if you mess up, you're going to hell. Well, if you fall away, then you're going to hell. And I think some of us, we've come out of churches that preach that. There is no grace. And I want to be very careful here. I am not a hyper-grace kind of person. Like, you can just go ahead and mess up, do whatever you want. But what I am saying is God has given us grace. We're in an age of grace. There's a whole thing called 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins one to another and to Jesus, right? He will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I mean, we have that. And so there is that grace. And here's the thing, man. If, if the things that I've done can't keep me from receiving Jesus, then how can the things that I do after I receive Jesus keep me out of his kingdom? No. No. And I'm not excusing sin, by the way. I don't want you all to think that. But I believe in my heart of hearts, there are some people that are in this room and that are watching online that are questioning their salvation, that are afraid that somehow they've lost it. Maybe they're wondering, am I really saved? And see, there's a lot of stuff that's floating out there in religion primarily that says you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved. And what I'm seeing here, what Paul is writing, what we're going to see here in a minute, what Jesus said is when you heard... 
Because the gospel is meant to be heard, amen? It's meant to be heralded. It's made to be trumpeted. It's made to be said by us as the church to other people that are unbelievers. But when we hear the gospel and then we believed the gospel, then you're sealed and you're guaranteed eternal life with Jesus. That's pretty simple, amen? There is no religious ceremony to that. I actually saw something on social media, and I'm not a big social media fan, but, but I did see something on social media where some guy was preaching about the thief on the cross. Man, it was instant. Once he believed in Jesus and Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise, guess what? He didn't live very long through the process of sanctification, amen. You will never perish. That's what Jesus said. And we're going to read about that here in a sec. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your word. Father, I just thank you that the things that come out of my mouth, I just ask that they be the things that you want me to speak today. Father, I just thank you that what is being said today is your word. And I ask that if there's anyone in here that is struggling with their salvation or wondering if they're still saved, Father, I ask that that you release some of that today that we, we reaffirm our faith today and that people leave here free because they know the truth. Father, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a season of my life, I remember I got saved in 1996 and by the year 2000, I started a, a brand new career. I got out of the military, I started pharmaceutical sales and I struggled for some reason with wondering if I was still saved or not. Now, I didn't do anything like catastrophically sinful or anything like that. I mean, I didn't go like murder somebody and wonder, am I still saved? No, I I didn't do anything wrong. I just remember one day sitting in in my car, getting ready to go into an office to make a call, and a thought came to me, are you still saved? So here's the thing, and I really believe this. I believe that when you're on the cusp of moving into what God has for you, here comes the devil. It's going to come try to trip you up. And where does he do that? In your mind. Because the mind's the battlefield, right? And I remember that question hitting me, and here's the thing, and here's the dirty little secret. If there's something that the devil throws in your head, it's going to trigger you. And as soon as that happens, recognize it and don't think about it anymore. Just don't give it room. Well, I gave this thing some headspace, unfortunately, and for probably the next couple of years, I struggled with this thought, am I really saved? And I must have prayed the prayer of salvation, which is really not such a thing, and I'll explain that here in a minute, but I must have prayed it several times, asked people to come with me and and pray with me, you know, because you witnessed that I received Jesus. I had talked to Pastor Jeff about it, because I've known Jeff for a long time, and and it's just, it's just one of those things where I just couldn't understand why I was struggling with this, man. I remember when I received Jesus. I remember the day. I remember the time. I remember the moment. I remember what happened. But it was somewhat of a struggle for me. And eventually what happened, as I began to heard the truth and some of the things I'm going to say today, whether it was Ephesians chapter 1, Romans chapter 15, or the chapter in John that we're going to talk about today, is the word built me up, but also had people around me that encouraged me through this time. And it's something that I don't think a lot of us want to say. 
is, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering am I, if I'm still saved. I mean, that's, that takes a lot of humility to do that, and I'm not trying to say I was very humble. I was afraid for my eternal life, okay? And <laughs> what God said to me, what I believe he said to me was, the fact that you're so concerned with whether or not you're in my kingdom points to the fact that you are in my kingdom. Because you realize you need Jesus. You realize you can't go through this life without him, and you realize you can't make it into my kingdom without him. So if there's some of you in here that are struggling with this, then let me say something. If you are just staying up at night, if you're brooding over it, if you're wondering, if you're just praying to God to, to save you through Jesus, then what I'm telling you is, guess what? You probably already are because you are so concerned. And today, what I'm going to do is put, put a fork in it for you, okay? I want to put a fork in it for you. There is this thing called eternal security, and I believe that, that as God's child, as his child, I am secure. So one of the things I did in 2011, and some of you might be shocked to hear this, I actually got a tattoo. I got a tattoo of an alpha and omega on my left shoulder. And that was the moment I made the decision that I'm not going to allow this thing to afflict me any longer. Because now I, I know, I'm, listen, I'm branded. I'm, I'm, that's, that's it. All right? I believe that Jesus, he is the beginning and the end, amen? But he's also that way for my life. He's got me. He's the Lord of my life. And so when, when Paul says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are branded. We are branded. John chapter 10. If you would turn to me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. So I, I love this because John's going to set up this passage with the Pharisees coming to Jesus and questioning him and this right here will be the example of what not to be. And then the good news is, I'm going to share with, I hope, all of you in here, what you are now and what we should be as the example. And so John writes this, at the time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem and it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay, here we are, 10 chapters into John. Jesus has been walking on the earth in ministry for at least two years at this moment, maybe a little bit longer. He has plainly said, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the son of man. I come from God. God and I are one. He has said this over and over again. If you do not eat of me, then you cannot be with me. He is very clear in telling them through his miracle signs and wonders as well, I am the only way. I am the Messiah that you've been looking for. And they're saying, tell us plainly. Unbelief. They have not accepted him. And this is what he said in verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. There you go. That's what disqualifies you. 
from being part of the kingdom of God. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My friends, we want to be among his sheep. Amen? Amen. We want to be in that sheepfold. Amen? Amen? We want to be branded as one of his sheep. Amen? Amen? And what Jesus clearly says here is it's not in our own doing. It's not of our works. It's not about whether we're good or bad. It's because we believe in him. Amen? Amen. When we believe in him, then we are transferred from death to life. And see, these Pharisees, these scribes, these Sadducees, these religious people, they just refuse to believe in him because he does not fit their narrative. And because of that, they're not part of the kingdom. And they're the ones that should be worried about their salvation, not those of us that believe. Verse 27, Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice. That's why Paul said, if we heard, when we hear, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Then he says, and I know them. There's that ceiling right there. There's that I believe in Jesus. As soon as I do that, then all of a sudden that relationship that's been broken because we were born into sin has now been bridged. Now we belong to Jesus when we believe, and now we're part of God's family. So that's how he knows us, is because we've believed. And then he goes, and they follow me. They follow me. So part of that struggle is, are you still following Jesus? You've heard, you've believed, but now are you following him? And the good news is as we follow him, we're not going to be perfect at it. We're going to trip and fall, and he's going to pick us back up. There's that relationship. Are you following him? And that goes back to week one, what I talked about. Jesus requires us to follow him. And that is why in this church, in home church, Yes, we are home. We want you to come. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to be part of God's family. We want you to feel that community and that connection. Hence the reason why we're revamping our home groups and we're doing the young adult thing is because we want to provide that here. But following Jesus is not just coming in a building when the doors are open and worshiping him. Following Jesus is taking the gospel that needs to be heard because how can people hear if it's not preached outside these four walls? Following Jesus means we're going to have a relationship with him between Sunday and Sunday. Following Jesus means that we're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and when he says do this, we're going to do it. Following Jesus means we recognize that we are sinful beings. We're going to do everything we can that when temptation comes, we're not going to succumb to that sin. Amen. Following Jesus means we get to know his word so that when things come to us from the devil that say, hey, are you really saved? You can say, yep. Because I know the word and this is what the word says about me and my salvation. Following Jesus is the most important thing that we can do. Verse 28, Jesus says, I give them what? Eternal life. And they will never perish. That's never, ever Ever perish. Never perish. Eternal life kind of has some finality to it, amen? It's not 
well, I'll give you some eternal life, but if you mess up, you're gone. No, no, no. He says, eternal life and they will never perish. And he goes on to say even more. He says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Man, that's awesome. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I think, and maybe some of you can relate, that we know Jesus as Savior, but what we struggle with is knowing him as Lord. It's not just that he saved me, but he's also my Lord. This is going to upset some of you in here, but guess what? As soon as I accepted Jesus, I turned from my sin, and I believe in him, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, all of a sudden, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to him. He is the Lord of my life. Now, all of a sudden, my plans and my way and the way I want my life to go goes right out the window. And it's his way. It's his plan. It's now his life. Amen. And see, we live in a world today where if I don't have control of my life, if I don't have control of me, I don't want nothing to do with it. Then I'm, I'm not going to follow Jesus because I want control of my life. But as soon as we give him our life, now he is the Lord of our life. And that right there has set me free. Because he knows everything I'm going to do. And he's with me every step of the way. And once you give him complete control, then things don't have control over you anymore. Like knowing that I'm branded. Now, I know my tattoo, I'm sorry. But knowing that I'm branded... Holy Spirit living in me, and he's with me, that, that sets me free. Because now I know, yes, I have a free will to make decisions, right? But I know ultimately he's in control of my entire life. I don't have to worry about my job. I don't have to worry about my family. I don't have to worry about income, finances, the world economy, the wars that are raging across this world. I don't have to worry about any of that, who's president, who's not president. I don't need to worry about any of that. Because my king is in control of my life. Amen. I don't have to worry about this church. Now, I want you to know that I do. I still am concerned about each of you. And I still want our church to grow. Amen. And I want God to use our church. But ultimately, he knows where we're at. He knows where all of you are at. He knows everything about where home church is at. He knows me. He's got it. Amen. And you know what? There goes my anxiety, there goes my fear, there goes all that stuff that the devil wants to try to trap me in. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Nobody can overrule, including you, including the devil, the lordship of your life, of Jesus over your life. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So we praise Jesus that nobody can snatch us out of his hand. But how about this? Nobody can snatch us out of the Father's hand as well. I like to call this the trifecta of salvation. Okay, this is not just eternal security. This is eternal Fort Knox security, okay? We've got a triple security system here with our salvation. 
We receive Jesus, we move from death to life. Old man passes away, behold, all things become new. Here's the new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us and seals us. We're sealed. There's security number one. And then Jesus comes in, is the Lord of our life. He saves us. He puts his hand around us. There's level two of our security. And then because now we've been reconnected to the Father because of Jesus, we're back in relationship with him because sin is no longer our identity. Then all of a sudden, here comes God, the Father, Boom, level three of that security. Are we doubting our salvation now? So you all know I'm a former military guy, so one of the things that I felt impressed upon was to do Google, and I know the internet is not always true. Um, can we say amen to that? But I went ahead and Googled, give me, give me the, top, the top 10 fortresses or defense systems throughout human history that have never been penetrated. And so I, I got a bunch, and there's one in particular, actually I was kind of surprised this came up because my wife and I just spent uh, a week in Scotland a few weeks ago, and we visited Edinburgh Castle, so there's a picture of it, and there's a picture I, I took of it up, set up on, the, on Castle Hill in Edinburgh, Scotland. This fortress has never been penetrated by military might, ever. It's very, very much a solid piece of work, even though it's a thousand something years old. But this castle, absolutely amazing. If it was ever taken, then whoever was in charge or ruling Scotland at that time would have fallen, the whole country would have fallen. But it was never taken. But somehow, even though it wasn't militarily taken, diplomatically and through trickery, it eventually has fallen before. I even looked up like the Great Wall of China. That came up. Guess what? Barbarians made it over the wall eventually. The Maginot Line, which is in France, this line along the French and German border that was built after World War I to keep the Germans out because they knew the Germans would be a threat in the future potentially. The Maginot Line was penetrated. Hitler went over Belgium and came in through the north and went right around it like it wasn't even there. Here's the point. Humanity and the world can have the best defense systems, the best fortresses, but they eventually will fall. God places a defense system around our hearts, around the spirit man in us as the new creation. Not going to happen. We can rely on him and his security. And those three levels, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father. Everyone say, my salvation is sealed. John chap, uh, chapter 10, verse 30, he goes on, he says, I and the Father are one, are one. Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Son of God, God the Father, three persons, one. One, they're in agreement. If you were to ask the Holy Spirit, am I saved? Have you believed in Jesus? Yes, bam. I live in you, you're the new creation. Jesus, do you agree with that? Yep, because I said, nobody will ever snatch you out of my hand. You are mine. You belong to me. I am the Lord of your life. Okay? God, the Father, do you believe that too? Do you agree with that? Yep. Holy Spirit agrees with it. Jesus agrees with it. I agree with it because nobody will snatch you out of my hand. You are my child, and I am your Father. Can we just say, Abba, Father, to that? Amen.
what I don't want for all of you. Because if you know me, you know that I'm up here as God has called me to be here to help you in your journey in following Jesus. God wants the best for you and so do I. And I want you to experience the victory that God has for us because we belong to him as his children. So what I want to do is arm you with the truth. I mean, Jeff just preached his heart out last week about the truth would set us free. But yet somehow we still remain in bondage at times in our own heads. And I've experienced that personally. And if I've experienced that, and in some cases I still experience those kind of things. You let your mind go. You know, sometimes, I don't mean to call out Lisa, my beautiful, awesome wife, but she'll look at me and say, you're in your head, aren't you? Yeah. And what I want to do is equip with you all with the truth to set you free from that system that's running around in your head. That, that's causing you not to enjoy life. That's causing you to miss out on what God has for you. That's causing you to, to live a melancholy type life. And there's going to be times when we feel that way. But then that discipline kicks in that as we are children of God that we recognize it and then we say, no, 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 no. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The devil is going to accuse you all. You have to recognize that. And I think 50% of our mindset, which I'm going to be preaching a series on that, by the way, after Easter, is 50% of our brains are clouded with what the world says and what the devil says and what I want eventually for all of us, including me, is that 100% of our minds are set on the things that are above, are set on God, are set on what Jesus has said, are set on the truth. Because here's, here's the, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, man, everything that the world is preaching, the stuff that's on in the media, the stuff that's on social media, the stuff that's in the news, the stuff that's even finding its way in our movies and TV shows are all going to try to reprogram our minds. And it's very, very subtle. And the more that you consume, the more it eventually starts to slowly erode your mind to where you're starting to question whether or not you're really saved. And if I were to be honest, I can go back and look at that period of time, and I listened to an awful lot of news then, probably more so than I did listening to God's word. This is a moment right here that if you all walk out of here with this kind of mindset, and as we're talking moving forward as the church, the mindset that I believe God wants for us, that I'm going to talk about here in the coming weeks, and we're going to walk in victory, man. And then half the things that we're afraid of are not going to trip us up any longer. That's what I want. Because we get this right, and this I believe is already right, because Jesus, if he lives in you, boom, you're sealed. You're a new man in Christ, or a new woman in Christ. But this right here, but that's what gets in the way. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So Jesus said, you will never perish. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Paul says, you heard, 
you believed, you're sealed, you're guaranteed. And Paul continues in the book of Romans. In chapter 15, he says this in verse 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And what? Believing. Set by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. And this is not the kind of hope where you're like, oh, I wonder or I hope so, you know. No, this is abound in hope, the hope of Jesus, the hope of our life and of our salvation, that we may abound in it. And I love that word because that's what I want to do in my daily walk. I want to abound in it, you know. Some of you need to wake up in the morning with a little more joy of your salvation in your heart. I would love to know your morning routines. <laughs> Maybe not. Abound in that hope. And this is not about our salvation, it's about our health about our jobs, about our families, about our marriages, about our kids. Look, there are some of you in here, I know, there are some of you in here that have children and grandchildren that have walked away from Jesus. There are some of you in here that have seen that, have experienced that, that that is, that is what's causing you from experiencing the joy in Jesus that you have for yourself because you're worried about your kids and your grandchildren or your nieces or your nephews. And I recognize that. But you know, maybe you've seen them. Maybe you've seen a time in their life where you know they accepted Jesus. And maybe you even saw them, not that water baptism saves you, but maybe you saw them get water baptized, right? Maybe you've seen them speak in tongues. And as they got older, devil came at them and they're no longer following Jesus now they're living the world's life they're not in church and maybe some of you are worried are they going to heaven or are they going to hell I hope this frees you from that where the focus of your prayers is not I hope they're saved it's more I want them to follow you again Jesus everybody would please stand Here's my big idea. I actually got several of them. Should be up on the screen. Uh, nothing, nothing can take away your salvation. Nothing. Nothing can remove the seal. Three levels of security I talked about, right? And nothing can take you out of God's hand. And as Jesus said, you will never perish everybody's head bowed nobody looking around in the beginning was the word the word was God the word was with God he was in the beginning with God through him all things were made. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
in him was life, the life of men. And that life was light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And that word turned into flesh is Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary and walked this life on this earth perfectly and never sinned. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah that everyone is looking for. He said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father but by me. He said, narrow is the way. And he is the only way. And he went to the cross because he said to his disciples, he looked Pontius Pilate straight in the face and said, this is the reason why I came, was to die. And he died a horrific death on the cross. And as we sang this morning, it was for the joy that was set before him. And guess who the joy is? That's all of us in this room and watching online. He died for us. And as he said during the Last Supper, so that my blood could be poured out for you to cleanse us of our sin. And he did that. And the veil was torn. And then the greatest news of all, three days later, he resurrected from the dead. We have the one true living God who is now our high priest, who prays for us, who looks at us with love and with joy because he loves you. And what he wants more than anything is for you to know the joy of your salvation. With nobody looking around, if you believe that, I'm asking you to raise your hand. If you believe what I just said, then I'm asking you to raise your hand. You heard, you believed, you were sealed, you were guaranteed. Let me put your hands down. If you're in this place today and you have never accepted Jesus, you've heard and today was the first time you believed, I'm asking you to raise your hand this morning so we can rejoice with you. If that is you. Today was the first day that you've believed and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm asking you to raise your hand this morning. Maybe you're in here today and you know that you have left following Jesus. You're no longer following him and you want to recommit your life to him. He's, he's here to accept you with his open arms right now. And if that's you today, 
I'm also asking you to raise your hand and let me pray for you. There's no shame. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else want to join this one? Man, God's presence is here this morning. This is an opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. We have one person that's bold. Anybody else needs to come back to Jesus. One last thing before we move back into worship. If you're in here this morning and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that I will give you power to be my witnesses. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Yes, when you believe Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but then there comes a time where you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can have the power to be his witnesses. The evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. You might have heard someone speaking in tongues around you, worshiping God in tongues, that's you and you want to receive that gift because the Holy Spirit, he is just like Jesus, a gift. If you would like to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, let me see your hand as well. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this gentleman down here who's decided to recommit his life to Jesus. And Father, I thank you right now that in his heart, I know he's turned away from whatever it is that he has been doing. And I ask that you forgive him. And I thank you that he's turning back to Jesus today. And Father, I thank you that you are the Lord of his life. And then as he continues to move forward in his life, that he will follow you all the days of his life. He will no longer turn to his left or to his right, but instead stay focused and on the narrow way. And in Jesus' name, I pray over that. And Father, and I pray for this young lady as well. I just thank you for her boldness. And Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit falls on her right now. And I thank you that she has asked and therefore you fill her. And before she leaves this place today, that she will have the evidence of the infilling by speaking in other tongues and will be used powerfully by you to be a witness for Jesus to those around her. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.